Jay Cameron, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Mark. Now, Mr. Cameron, tell me the history of this case. The court case was actually initiated at the B.C. Supreme Court level, so there was no lower court. This was the first time it was heard. And what occurred in the case is that in September 2015, a letter went to parents, and that letter communicated that there was going to be a spiritualistic or supernatural cleansing of the classroom and the people. And the people had an opportunity to cleanse their own spirits and start the year uh, to get rid of negative things in the classroom. And the person who wrote the letter testified at the hearing that there was a spiritualistic cleansing of the classroom and the energy in the supernatural unseen world, and that it was necessary to do so in order to remove the negative energy that was present. And so that evidence shows that this wasn't a demonstration, that there was an actual ceremony that was held in a classroom with nine-year-olds. And this happened uh, in classrooms at the school with kids who were as young as seven, according to the testimonies of the teachers. And there was no adequate notice to parents. Parents had less than 24 hours if they got the letter at all. And then there was a prayer at a mandatory school assembly, again, with very little kids. It's an elementary school. There was no parental notice, no opportunity to leave before the prayer. The position of the public school was just, we're doing it, and you're going to sit there and take it. So uh, Mrs. Servatius, believing that public schools are safe places which are going to be taught on strictly secular and non-sectarian principals, went to speak with the, with the principal of the school, and she was basically told, we have a right to do this. What was her position regarding religion and her, her own religious beliefs and so on? Well, her position is, is that what occurred in the classroom was an infringement of her religious beliefs because she has her own beliefs about the unseen world and about God. And her position in the court case is that when the state imposes these ceremonies and prayer on children, without proper parental notification, without authorization, that that's an infringement of Section 2A of the Charter. People have different beliefs. It's a diverse society. People have different beliefs about the unseen world. Government is supposed to be neutral, not taking a position on behalf of or endorsement of any faction of society in regard to these beliefs. And that's what it's done in this case. That's of deep concern to Canadian society, or it should be. These, these are, she's a Christian, her children are Christians, is that correct? That's correct, and the media has made a big issue of the fact that she's a Christian, but if she was any other religion and if there was, this was any other type of ceremony that was being imposed on her, uh, the, there would be a great hue and outcry. What does the School Act say about this kind of thing? The School Act says that schools will be taught on strictly secular and non-sectarian principles and no prayers are allowed in school. And the codification in the School Act of that idea is a reflection of the duty of state neutrality that comes from the Constitution, and it reflects Section 2A of the Charter, which is freedom of religion. And what was the argument for the, the other side on this then? Uh, and there was a lot about residential schools and how people need to learn about the history and culture of Aboriginal people in Canada and that it is justified to hold this type of ceremony, which they characterized as a demonstration, as opposed to the holding of an actual ceremony. It's appropriate to have this kind of thing done in the classroom, and that it's appropriate that it be mandatory, and that no parental notification is necessary, 
no parental permission is necessary because this is part of the teaching of Aboriginal belief systems and, and, and culture. And that was a perspective that the trial judge adopted as well. What was the ruling then? Well, the judge ruled that there was no infringement of freedom of religion, that this was entirely an appropriate teaching mechanism, and Mrs. Servatius was insensitive for uh, attempting to compare what occurred to some sort of injustice. Did the judge not rule that this practice of smudging, for example, was, was cultural and not religious? The judge said it's cultural. Uh, there's some interesting evidence that's before the judge on uh, was before the judge on that point, such as the fact that many Aboriginal people do not smudge at all. There was evidence before the court that the practice of smudging had been adopted by the Nucholmiv less than a hundred years ago. And interestingly enough, when the province was asked about what their standards were for adopting what was you know for saying what was cultural uh, to be taught in the school. They said, we didn't have any. We just decided, you know, I, I, they had no information about that. And so you're imposing a ceremony on a classroom of little kids on the basis that it's cultural, but lots of people don't do it. And um, arguably, at least, it's, uh, it's a very new practice anyways. So does that make it cultural just because somebody's, you know, a certain, a certain subset of people have been doing it for the last hundred years? I don't know. What do the Nuchalnas say? Do they say it's cultural or religious? The Nuchalnas uh, have varied views on this point, and that was also in evidence before the court. There was some Nuchalnas uh, evidence that said this is absolutely religious. Some Nuchalnas people said this is not religious, this is cultural. And some uh, Nuchalnas people said uh, this is an interweaving of spirituality and culture and, and that we don't have a word for religion in our language. But irrespective of whether or not it's culture or it's religion, there's no doubt it's spiritualistic and it's supernatural. And when the government holds a supernatural ceremony in a classroom for nine-year-olds without parental consent, uh, we say that that's a problem. It's, it's clear that uh, if a priest or if an imam or a, a rabbi had come in and performed a ceremony and held a prayer and you know actually purported to cleanse the energy or, or remove spirits uh, from the classroom and uh, cause everybody to sit through such a ceremony, that, that there would be a great hue and outcry, uh, and, and justifiably so, um, because the walls of secularism are supposed to protect people from state-imposed spiritual practices, uh, especially for little kids. If the argument is that... The children should learn about other cultures, in this case, uh, the indigenous culture surrounding them. Where do you draw the line? You know, one of the experts who testified in this trial, testified live in court, he, was, uh, he talked about how you can show the sage, you can show the, sh the shell, you can talk about what is entailed in the ceremony. That way you have somebody live in the classroom saying, look, these are the uh, accoutrements of the ceremony. This is how it works. This is what we do, uh, and that's all totally fine. But as soon as, according to the expert, he said, as soon as you light that grass and you begin to say the words of cleansing uh, and do the motions of cleansing where you say, you know, you are removing this energy from the classroom, 
you're you're involved in the conducting of a, of a spiritual supernatural ceremony and that's the line you can watch this on tv you can read about it in books you can teach students about these beliefs in that fashion but as soon as you compel them to be in that space when that space is cleansed uh and you're actually doing it that is using the power of the state to compel that type of thing on free citizens and and that is historically uh throughout human history that type of state imposition uh, imposition has always resulted in abuse and oppression because people are are unable to fight back and in fact if this stopped here that would be the lesson uh, so far what are you going to do at this point then faced with this uh, ruling against your your client so oh, we're looking at the judgment and uh, considering options, but um, it's our perspective at this point in the analysis. There was a misapprehension of the facts and the law, and there are, that there are grounds for an appeal. Does this decision, Jay Cameron, have any kind of a precedent or, or wider implications when it comes to Indigenous rights and so on? Well, I think that there are. The prioritization or the super prioritization of indigenous rights over other rights creates a, a hierarchy of rights. And it's easy to see how in other circumstances this could create a precedent where because something is Aboriginal culture and it has uh, existed for a long time, therefore the state can impose it on other citizens. And uh, at this point in time, we're focused specifically on the immediate case uh, and the needs of children in a public school system and and the rights of parents. But I, I think that there are other implications that can be drawn from it. Jay Cameron, thank you very much for this. Thank you so much, Mark.